0: Uh Yeah, then ready when you are.
1: Yeah, helemaal. Oh, it moet in het Engels, hè? Ja. Yeah. Even switchen. Okay. Even switchen. Komt goed.
0: Hi everyone, my name is Hannah. My pronouns are they/them. You are listening to Queer Sounds, and to be honest. It feels weird, but it feels good to be back. It's been a year since I've last recorded in uh, my university radio studio. However, this is the first time someone had to come from a different country to join me here in the studio. Uh, it's Kim. Hi there. How are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm very good.
0: Just for the record, what are your pronouns?
1: Um, my pronouns are she, her.
0: Okay, cool. Um this episode uh I especially want to warn the uh the American listeners because boy, it's gonna be a doozy um uh, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a political episode, whether you're ready for it or not. We're going to talk about the European Union today, and uh just to be transparent about it, I did not vote for you
2: that's okay <laughs> that's okay <laughs>
1: um.
0: Yeah, no. I, I, uh, you are part of the European Greens. Why Why specifically the Green Party?
1: Um, because it's the party that I think has the best ideas for our society. Um, it has climate justice at its core, meaning that we're looking at the future first when we are um, coming up with our policy ideas. And um, and that's uh, something I very much agree with. We shouldn't have short term IDs for you know something that is just happening within a year, but we have to look at the long term.
0: All right. So um, I actually was considering. Voting for the, the the Greens Party because of this one uh, this one liner they've gotten uh, on 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 their website, the day of corporate capitalism that uh, enriches only a handful while endangering people and the planet are numbered um that that was the one-liner that was like maybe i should but in the end i uh, i opted for the uh animals party in the netherlands and then the only reason i voted for them to be honest was because they formed this coalition with like for example the portuguese communists um how 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 what i'm not entirely sure where i want to go with this but how does it make you feel (laughs)
2: i'm
1: completely fine with that actually um I work very often together with the left. Um, it's uh, another group in the European Parliament. And um, I'm often quite aligned with them on the topics I'm working on. So, and also, I mean, I think everyone should vote for what they think is best for them.
0: So, All right. Um, so I, I'm, bet, I'm betting a lot of people are listening to this and thinking, OK, so how does this European party work? And I think, like, European Union 101... Is like the different parties from the different countries like forming one like block together. For example, your part with the you know, of the Green Block, which includes like Grunlings from the Netherlands, or die Grüne from Deutschland, uh, from Germany. Damn languages, <laughs> um, and and like a couple of more of that. So, uh, how how do you? keep the overview because like on first hand like those the green party in a block with the green party makes sense but I bet there are also like combinations that don't really make sense when you first uh, when you first come across them
1: yeah so how it works is that you basically have to be part of uh one of these groups in the European Parliament if you want to have any influence and um I'm a member of uh the greens in the, in the European Parliament, and we are a group uh it used to be called the Rainbow group back in the days um so we have um certain par- we have mainly green parties, but we also have Uh, parties that are um, more uh, regionalist based for example we had the scottish national uh, party also in our group uh, before brexit Um, we have the catalonians for example and then we also have the pirates um, because we are also a group that's very strong on digital rights so the pirates are also part of our group Um, and i think in our group we're pretty coherent in general Um, we are actually the the group that votes most uh coherent in general and that's gives us a a very big political leverage um, but yeah there are also parties for example the epp which is the european people's party the christian democrats um, and uh, yeah in the christian democrats uh up till a few months ago you had orban from hungary um which is for people who are not very familiar with European politics um some sort of oligarch right-wing um dude who's pretty awful and not progressive at all And, uh, yeah, he was then together with, uh, for example, Merkel's party. And, yeah, that that doesn't feel very logical when you look at it.
0: Right, yeah, that was exactly the example that I was going to bring up. Like, Mutti Merkel, of all people, working together with someone who I have the freedom to call a danger to democracy.
1: Um, I I me too. All right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right, all right.
0: I was I was I was I was afraid that you were going to have to be careful about what to say and what not to say because oh, about
1: Orban I can be very clear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, let's let's get track number one going. Peace of my heart. <gasps> big brother and the holding company the band that uh, janice joplin fronted before she went solo in 1968 um this is also her biggest hit before she passed apparently so um the the only bigger hit she had uh, uh after that was me and johnny mcgee after she passed in 1971 um are you are you are you big on 60s pop in general
1: yes yes
0: and out of all of those uh, great songs that were released in the 60s, why did you decide to bring this one?
1: Um, because I think uh, Janice is, is a very interesting queer person. Um, and I think she's such a special character. Um, and she was so cool. And it's so unfortunate that she she, she passed um, at such a young age. But I think she really left you know, a footprint on this earth. And I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird to think that I'm the age now that Janis Joplin was when she passed. And yes. It's even weirder to think that out of all of the things I achieved in this life, this podcast is like it. So um, you, why specifically do you think that she is such a fun, interesting queer person?
1: Well, I uh, had my face where I was kind of obsessed with her, and I read a lot of biographies about her, and I saw a lot of documentaries about her. And one of the things that she did, she was bullied a lot when she was uh, in high school. one of the things she did was change her voice to sound uh, more masculine and well or or more quirky, at least I think she she made it a bit raw more raw and more deep. and that's not her like the voice that we all know and love in her songs. That's not her sort of natural voice. Um, And that's one of the things that I find super interesting. And also I think, you know, it's often not mentioned, but she she had relationships with women. Um, So I think that is something also that like in that time, in the sixties, imagine she had relationships with women. Of course it was free love and la la la. um, But I think that is, that's quite cool.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah, especially considering janice joplin being an american person so i'm not entirely sure how relevant this is but you know there there were i think i think it was only 1967 when being queer got decriminalized in the uk for example so yeah that's like fucked up to think about so um how did you get to know janice joplin what what brought her into your life
1: well, I had um, uh, some very good friends in high school that are actually still uh, my best friends, and um, yeah, they really—I don't know, uh, you know, like back in the days in the zeros where they would um, burn a CD for you with sixties music, um, and I had some friends who did that, and her her voice and her music was was one of the first that really struck me and really, you know, became this thing that I would I would put on repeat in my uh, in my room in my teenage bedroom. Um, yeah, and I think you know her, her voice and her, her—I don't know—presence in a way. And also, then when I, for the first time, saw videos of her, I was like, "Wow, who is this sort of force of power?" You know?
0: Why specifically 60s music? Because when I think of burning CDs in the early, in the early 2000s, I'm thinking like Beyonce and Usher and whatnot.
1: I think, um, well, they, both those friends have and had uh, really cool moms. Um, and they were influenced by that so that was then brought to me again and um, I think also because um, well I've always been quite aware of the world and quite like critical of the system and of authority and i think you know especially in the 60s music was a very important tool to to be criticizing the system um so then you know that those two things came together and it's like oh have you ever heard this music where you know i don't know bob dylan being like oh the times they are changing and these kind of things but also other songs mercedes benz of course by janice Joplin. i really was doubting if i should put that song or not so um i think uh that was really something and the reason that they gave that to me.
0: Then why specifically did you pick Peace of My Heart instead of Mercedes-Benz?
1: Because I think that was really the song that, you know, just got me. Like Mercedes-Benz is a funny song for me, at least. I guess some people find it terrifying. Um, but, um, you know, that was mere of a, a quirky song. And this song is just, there's so much power and passion in that song and emotions when she sings it i think that is uh, really cool and i had also a live version of it that i listened to a lot so.
0: and then um uh, you could also say okay well if we're talking about the 60s and all of the protests that were going on isn't it true that that's like rather limited though like you had major protests in the u.s sure and you had like some like rioting students in paris uh but isn't that about it
1: well, I think, you know, the revolutions in 68 in were very important in Europe. Uh, when you look at the European history, of course, you also had um, in Prague uh, the protests and indeed in Paris. Um, and I think that was that is something that is that is very interesting. But for me, that was the first time I, I learned about it. So that was more, uh, more the reason for me to pick it now. I think in general, then um, at some point, I also wanted to become a protest singer. So um, <laughs> I, and I guess Janice was the first person who sparked that idea in my head
0: <laughs> we've all had that phase right
1: <laughs> I, I i think so i hope so i also wrote one protest song but we will never talk about this again
0: how <laughs> was i was gonna ask okay you brought your own stuff then but
1: <laughs> unfortunately not it was a it was about climate change though
0: Ooh fitting so um that that sounds like it was all funny coincidence though like you just happened to meet these 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 friends who brought you this music and it just happened to be 60s music like for example it also could have been um, instead of janice joplin we could have been playing wham and the entire thing would have been about the aids crisis instead
1: yes yes definitely
0: how did your music taste develop from there
1: um, so I had my very 60s moment and uh, I don't know, Stones, Beatles, everything. And I got my parents' old LPs and I started listening to all of them. But then at the same time, I absolutely just love pop music, like quirky pop music. So uh, like so Mika was one of the things, like my first concert. Oh, my, hell yeah. My, my first concert ever where my mom brought me to Amsterdam. We went together to see Mika in the Melkweg. No one knows that outside of the Netherlands, but it's it was very cool to go there. So um, yeah, and I'm from I'm from a very small town, so that was really my first concert in the big city.
0: All right. Oh, but but that's like uh, you saying you're from a small town. You're like, but still near Rotterdam, which is infamous for its like underground music scene.
1: Yeah, but that that's that was way too far away from my Bible Belt town to go to. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. All right. Fair. Fair. Um, how did you how did you come across like pop artists such as Mika was that just an MTV thing a radio thing
1: Definitely MTV, TMF. I was always, I always, always had like, um, I had this tiny old TV where you had to still press the buttons to switch channels. Um, that was the old TV of my parents. And at some point, I, I negotiated it that it was in my room, in my bedroom. And then while I was doing homework, always MTV or TMF or the box. That was also a thing.
0: All right. Yeah. Uh, just to clarify, like TMF is like the, the local national version, like the Dutch version of MTV. And the box, I'm not entirely sure if that's an international brand. But it's also another music station. Yeah. Um, pop is a very broad thing. Like Mika is a unique person in and of itself, but everything from Janice Joplin to Mika could be defined as pop. Like, how do you define pop?
1: Um, for me, pop music um, is something that is um, not complicated to listen to. Um, and it is something that makes me. Gives me, gives me a happy feeling in general or an uplifting feeling. And I can also really enjoy, you know, like these pop um, songs by Mariah Carey and Celine Dion they are very dramatic, but it gives you something, you know. Um, but it's also something that it doesn't stick with you. Um, sometimes, I don't know, if I, if I hear uh, rock music, which I also really enjoy listening to, then that's something that always sticks with me more or something. And with pop, I can, I can, it's really like a, sh- a shot of happiness or emotion or drama um, that I can really, really appreciate.
0: So, like, to to rephrase it a little, like, pop is basically, like, a kick in the butt, like, there you go, up you go, and worst case or best case scenario, I guess, you get a little bruise on your butt, but that, eventually that'll fade. But rock, on the other hand, that's, like, more of a shot of whatever that, like, sticks in your veins and just kind of infiltrates you a little
1: bit. Yeah, for me, for me, it works like that, yeah.
0: How do you notice things like that and what's the emotional reaction?
1: Mm, well I think for example Mika um, like you know I was a teenager a struggling teenager like we, we've we been there uh, like most kids have been there I guess and for me Mika it was just it's just happiness eh? his whole al- album is happiness and, oh and,
0: absolutely I
1: mean he he just has you know like and also he drew everything himself and all his videos are fun and happy and you know it was just like you know I was a, I was a bit of a sad teenager at some point and then I, because I didn't understand the world I didn't like the world as it was um and I didn't know yet that I could try to change that, um, and then I had Mika to just cheer me up.
0: All right, yeah, fair. Like it, it's kind of weird how how weird how 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 that works, right? Like you can be as sad as you want, but all of a sudden, like some quirky, kind of funny, curly person walks up and sings about, I don't know, literally relax, take it easy, and you're good for the rest of the day. I know, I love it. So there has been something else music related that I've been meaning to ask you. Okay. In March 2021, the Netherlands had uh, national elections. After which, they published a, a playlist with songs all picked by the different members of parliament. Mm. If you would bring something similar to like a European members of parliament playlist, what song would you bring?
1: Ooh, ooh, uh, ooh! This is a really hard question. I already found it so hard to to pick four que- four uh, songs for today. Um, But I think I would pick a a cool Dutch song. Maybe Lionstorm or Merel or something like that. Why? Uh, Well, because the European Parliament, uh, you know, the fun thing of being in the European Parliament, honestly, the funnest thing, in my opinion, is learning from each other and learning about each other's, I don't know, social security system, but also learning about, you know, cultural things and music and, um, you know, and we really share things amongst each other also in terms of music um so like oh this french feminist singer or this dutch feminist singer and then you share that amongst each other so i would pick something like that
0: all right and then how would how would you guess the entire playlist would sound like obviously there are going to be some people who are bringing wagner to the playlist and other people who are bringing the beatles like to make a political statement or whatever how how would you imagine that going down
1: well, looking at the average member of the European Parliament, I don't think it would be a Bob, no, this playlist. <laughs> I think um, there would be a lot of uh, either, you know, it's like, oh, oh, right, that's a golden oldie kind of songs. And some, I also suspect that some of the songs will just be picked by assistants.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, do you have any idea uh, what, what songs assistants might pick?
1: uh cooler songs definitely than the MEPs. Um but my assistants uh one of my assistants would definitely pick Meryl <laughs> as well.
0: I'm yeah. glad you're on on equal wavelength there.
1: Yeah yeah yeah. I have, I have a great team and uh I'm curious. I also have one person who's Flemish in my team and I don't know what he would pick. <laughs>
0: All right. I mean um uh, Flanders has got a great music scene.
1: Sure. I
0: know. I'm not entirely sure um how the pop and classical comparison would be though like obviously i don't know the individual members of parliament themselves like in fact you're the first one i meet as far as i know um (laughs) i I might have met different members of european parliament before i just wasn't aware of it but like it doesn't strike me as the type of place that's like very yeah like you said it wouldn't be a bob like what are what are some members of european parliament that would bring some bobs do you have some? Well,
1: the first person I have to think of is like, what would Silvio Berlusconi pick? Because he's also a member of the <laughs> European Parliament and that's more of sort of a perverse kind of thought of having here. <laughs> um, but I think, um, well, our, our party leader or our group leader, Ska Keller, she's a, she's a really cool uh, punk and she's really from the punk scene in Berlin. So she must come with something really cool.
0: All right. Wow. Um okay so with 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 the Brits gone we can also just kind of discuss this and and name names without worrying about anything what do you think Nigel Farage would have brought to a playlist like that
1: uh oh i guess uh, the the british uh anthem
0: <laughs> i guess he would he would like he would do the thing like the 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 major right wing guy that in the netherlands here where he would ironically bring free as a bird from by the beatles do the thing where it's it's like instead of covert measures it would be free of the european parliament and that type of stuff yeah i think it would i think i think that would be a thing um because also british act i guess speaking of music though let's get back into the songs we've picked for today marry the night by lady gaga
2: i'm gonna marry the night i won't give up on I'm a warrior, queen, live passionately tonight. I'm gonna marry the dark, gonna make love to the star. I'm a soldier to my I'm gonna lay some
0: the night lady gaga 2011 um gee who would have thought that we would have been playing lady gaga for the third time this podcast it's almost as if she's a popular artist in like the general queer scene um why why did you why did you bring lady gaga today
1: because um i think she's really cool and she makes me really happy and um i think it's it's quite amazing what she has achieved um like I mean, of course, she's from a privileged background, but she just was like, "Okay, I'm not going to be a singer. I'm going to be a concept," and went for it.
0: (laughs) Uh, With with Janis Joplin, Lady Gaga, the artist yet to come. Like, have you uh, actively decided? Okay, I'm gonna I'm going to pick all queer people for today.
2: Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. All right, all right, cool. It also made it easier, and then it made it more difficult.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah.
1: First, I was like, okay, that will narrow down the list, and then I was like, now I have to pick between these. But
0: uh, yeah, now now you have to kill your darlings. Yes. Well, uh, I wanted to ask why specifically Mary Night but I guess the reason for that is because we've already had Born This Way on.
1: Yes, but also I actually think Mary Night might be. Well, I think after Born This Way, I don't know. It's it's really close in w- which one is my favorite song of hers. Um. And I think also because um, I, i oh, confessions, but I really liked watching Glee at some point. And there, there's an amazing rendition of this song also by uh, Adam Lambert, <laughs> who I also really like. So um, yeah, then I was like, okay, okay.
0: I mean, I'm not entirely sure whether or not I should feel guilty, but you gotta do something during lockdown. So yes, I did waste 84 hours of my life watching Glee.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> also rewatched it i didn't want to confess but yes i did
0: you're you're not alone and i <laughs> it's am so sure i'm certain that uh the two of us aren't alone either like there must be more people out there who are like i'm going to hate watch glee at least yes um i i did actually uh look up some some like some little some little facts about the song, because, you know, you got to have your little introduction here. Mm-hmm. And I was so surprised when I was scrolling through songfacts.com and reading, sure, it's about the nightlife in New York City, okay, whatever. And then below, you've got this little menu, like more about Lady Gaga, more of this uh, this album. And then I saw, okay, m- why is more songs covered by Glee characters a category on this website? Wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's an entire thing. Um, but, um... Uh, How would you, uh, moving on to a completely different subject, how would you describe your own queer experience?
1: Um, Well, I'm a woman who loves women. And um, I think I already realized in high school. And I think that... Um, at the beginning it was all confusing and you know i was like do i like women do i like men I was like, ah, it's so confusing and then at some point i was like oh but actually i read an interview with claudia de brey it was a dutch uh, comedian tv presenter radio presenter and um she said uh yeah i think i'm bisexual.' she in an interview said i'm bisexual and i was like oh my god that's an option <laughs> you can, you can like both. Um, and then for a long time I was like, okay, okay, okay. I can chill. I could chill about this. I think, um, sexuality though is something very fluid. Um, so by now I don't really, I, I just say I'm, I, I fall for women now, I guess, and consider myself more queer, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a bit how, how it went.
0: How often does you being queer play a part in your work? as a member of European Parliament?
1: Well, I think being queer uh, makes you more aware of um, how it is to not be the norm. So it helps me um, when I am looking at legislation. I um, I also, I think, I consider myself an interne- uh, intersectional feminist as well. So I, I really like... Uh, enjoy looking at legislation from all the angles and see if you know it has to not only work for you know people and businesses, which is usually where where we're trying to find a middle ground, but it has to work for everyone. It has to work for for queer people. It has to work for people with disabilities. It has to um, you know work for people of color. Um, and I think in that sense, it really really helped me. And on the other hand, you know, I I just know that because in many countries, um, the situation is way worse than in the netherlands for example in the european union um when you're queer um that i i know it's empowering for people to know that i am queer and that's why i'm also very open about it in my work um because i just know that they can see someone who looks like them who is like them standing up for them
0: and the, you you brought up like the different countries having like worse situations um, how do you prevent kind of preaching in the sense that oh yes I'm from the Netherlands we have such a great uh, uh, legislation when it comes to queer people Uh, how how do you prevent a kind of misplaced sense of superiority compared to Eastern European countries
1: Um, Well, first of all, I don't think I have that. I see that we're here also. Things are definitely not perfect yet. It's quite interesting because people very often ask me what it's like to be in a country where everything is perfect. And then I first have to explain, well, not everything is perfect here. Um, But I do know and I have lived through, um, you know, a society where, for example, equal marriage is a thing. And I think I was... Ten or eleven, when equal marriage uh, became legal in the Netherlands, and I remember seeing it on TV, and you know, asking my mom like, "Hey, what is happening?" And my mom was like, "Oh, now these these two men and these two women get married," and I was like, "Okay, you know," and didn't bother me. Um, and you know, I think this whole thing, which in countries where you know, it's not It's not that you don't have equal marriage yet. It's such a thing to aspire to just because for people it means that they can still tell their parents, I'm going to have a normal life. And that is really is something that is more important. And, you know, you can be very critical about, you know, marriage and everything. But in the end, it is, it is such an important part. Because I remember also when I came out uh, to my mom and I told her I had a girlfriend, she was like ah will you still get married in a dress that was her question you know <laughs> and it's like you know she didn't think of other things. she was just like oh but like the fact that i could get married wasn't a problem you know and i think that is something that to tell those stories um it is also empowering for people to see that such something that for some people feels small can have such a big impact on the way that you move through the world and have a coming out etc
0: but then you know there is still maybe if there is no like superiority complex on one hand there might still be an inferiority complex from from other countries where they're looking at western european uh, places saying okay this is what we aspire to be Uh, and then of course you always got to say well not everything's perfect yet but i bet when you're happy with everything you can get there is a long way to go how do you try to um, pull up other countries so to say without 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 being too self-important
1: well you know change never happens without movements on the ground and um what i what i think is one of the most amazing things is that the queer community is such a strong community and it is actually a community um because you know like something happens in hungary and there are you know so many people from all other european countries that go to hungary and you know are supportive with to the community Um, so um, it is a a very strong community that is also very good at learning from each other so mistakes that we made for example um, you know having equal marriage but then not thinking through what it means for you know having a kid in that equal marriage um, that is something that um, you know activists in other countries are learning from now so they don't have to make the same mistakes as we did so they're also looking at us like which pathway did we choose and is that the best pathway or can we can we take another route? Um, so that is one of the things that happens. And I think, um, you know, every country has to do it in their own terms. But um, I think when you're talking about, you know, countries and the European Union, I think what is really happening is making sure that, you know, the groundwork is laid in uh, in, in the grassroots movement.
0: So you're kind of putting the responsibility with the people instead of the government? Is that what I'm hearing?
1: Um, No, um, but without, um, like, if you're in politics, if there's no one who says something is important, then it's not important. Um, So that's why it's very important that there are grassroots movements that know best what is, you know, best for the people that they have to listen to. And of course, you know, um, in the end, you then need people in politics that translate that to, you know, to laws. Um, but I don't, like, as a European Parliament, uh, member of the European Parliament, I can't make laws for Hungary. I can't make laws for Czech Republic. Right. Um, they have to do that themselves in their own country. But I can explain what we did well, what did we did wrong, and I can make sure that people are connected.
0: Right. Um, to uh, name an example with, like, uh, international law for that, uh, for, for that matter, like, there's been a recent situation in Poland where it was like, okay, you can... Say whatever you want with your European values, but our national values are more important than that. How do you how do you cope?
1: Yeah, it's it's terrible. So it's actually it's not even values; it's the law. So they have said um, Polish law is uh, is supreme over European law, which is basically putting out like the fundamentals of international law just aside. Um, So, we have a very big problem now. Um, The European Commission is investigating this issue um, and is also seeing if we can just block funding going to Poland um, because of that, because, you know, this is just against every agreement we have in the European Union.
0: Um this uh, this 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 values debate between Poland and the European Union wasn't necessarily centered around queer rights but uh I guess it also includes queer rights how do you make sure that it's included
1: Um well it's actually quite interesting to see that it is actually one of the catalysts right now so for the longest time we had um you know Hungary and Poland as the, well oh, and some other countries but these two are the main examples and the prime examples um Just undermining the rule of law and not complying with European law and, um, you know, creating fear for a group. And it used to be the refugees. The refugees were the scary thing. So you have to be afraid of refugees. You have to be afraid of the European Union and you have to vote for, you know, the dictator in place. Um, that's how they're playing the game. But there, there weren't enough refugees in the past uh, while. That's just a cynical way you can you can see it. And then they were like oh we need another scapegoat. Who are we going for? Hmm maybe the queers. Um, and that's this is literally what happened. But um, this was also the moment where um, other member states were like okay this is too far. You're going too far right now. Hungary basically um, uh, implemented a law that is similar to the Russian law. Um, you're not allowed to. So it's this sort of anti-lgbti propaganda law um, you're not allowed to be queer talk queer or whatever around kids uh, or under 18s um, and this was the moment that really was like okay and now now you're just now you're just being mean i guess um, and uh, this was really the first catalyst to uh, do more insights to have more research and to really look into uh, how we can stop funding, and that is, has also happened now based on that law. Um, so it's quite interesting actually to see that, you know, um, sometimes it's hard to keep LGBTI rights uh, anywhere in legislation, but when it comes to now tackling this rule of law, it's actually one of the key things that is uh,
0: that is hap- helping. So um, uh, apart from like the funding, there has also been implemented a, a monitor mechanism against backsliding. This This monitor though, uh was i think uh th- so the person who is in charge of new law uh n- new laws looking at new laws to be implemented is called a reporter and this uh, reporter was from slovakia in this case was um or is i suppose part of the center-right group uh, amongst um others like the german fdp and the dutch VVD. day um and this podcast isn't a fan of Favor day like oh, how but you why? wouldn't have guessed um <laughs> so um uh, you know with with the reputation of the center rights regarding uh regarding queer people how do you make sure that queer people are still protected even though it's the center right who is covering this this monitor mechanism against backsliding
1: well to be honest in the european parliament their group is not the worst.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're not the worst, but I still reckon they're not great.
1: No, no. But I mean, it could have been, you know, ID, which is basically the, the fascists. It could have been the European Conservatives with, you know, the the Polish government party in it. It could have been the European People's Party, who are way more conservative when it comes to queer rights. So in in, in that sense, they are sometimes more progressive. Um But, um, yeah, it's really important. But that's actually the interesting thing on how the European Parliament works. Um, One person from one party doesn't have a say in the end. Um, They have to make sure that there is a broad coalition. Um, They can go either over the right or they can go over the left. But when it comes to queer rights, usually they go over the left because on the right, there's not much of a majority to build uh, unless you want, of course, things to not progress. But I have to say that the Renew, that's indeed that party, uh, the center-right party, um renew europe they're named um yeah i, I never understand really why um mm. they um they are actually quite good when it comes to queer rights and they are a very important voice as well because they have members um from from progressive parties actually from uh, hungary for example in their group so they they were very aware of how it's how it's happening
0: all right, so that's, kinda, that's, that's kind of the Overton window in action then, maybe. Like, because of Orban, the center-right party is still considered uh, somewhat progressive. But when it comes to European collaboration, they're all still grouped in with, like, what is in the Netherlands considered a, a, a right-of-center party. Yeah. Doesn't that clash?
1: Yeah, of course. And, I mean, in, in that same group, you have D66, which is a more, you know, uh, yeah.
0: Kind left of left-of-center-ish
1: social liberal you can try to figure out what that means Um, and uh, I guess they would be considered the Lib Dems sort of in the UK Um, and you know they are very progressive also when it comes to queer rights you know they were actually the catalyst in in the Netherlands to make sure we we now have equal marriage for example Um, so I think yeah it's a broad group and um, also in this parliamentary term they are the ones to look at because you never know if they're going to vote together or if they're split because you know they have quite a range of you know political um ideas
0: right yeah um my my association with that party is specifically like socially more liberal but still very capitalist mm-hmm. uh i i we we really dove deep in this entire conversation about specific european legislation how do you how do you deal with this yourself like as a person because it sounds like a lot you would have to deal with this not an hour but like every day of your life um,
1: well, as I said, I have a great team. Uh, so they helped me with this. And um, yeah, it's, um, it's about finding finding uh, a few topics that you work on and not try to save everyone and everything, um, which I'm not very good at, but I try. And, um, you know, the way I, really, I work is really being connected with grassroots organizations and with NGOs. Um, and that gives me a lot of energy to know that, um, you know, what I do makes a difference for people on the ground. Um, and, and that's how I go on and continue
0: all right um, a very broad question oh. um, but it can be answered in one word uh, whether it's environment whether it's queer rights are you optimistic about the future? yes all right so we're not screwed then Monet, another evergreen uh, some a, another favorite you know what i'm gonna go ahead and and, and call uh janelle Monet the patron saint of this podcast because <laughs> they've been on like for at least four tracks already um ironically the first time we also talked about polis legislation so what does that tell us i don't know hmm. um correlation does not equal causality i suppose um why did you pick janelle Monet for this show today
1: uh, because um, I think I have listened to her "Dirty Computer" album 100,000 times at least, and um, and when I went to her show, I came out in a sort of trance state, and I was just for two hours walking around Amsterdam, being
0: like, "Wow!" All right, so we didn't see her at the same show then, because if you saw her in Amsterdam, I didn't. Uh, well, I right. saw
1: her in Paradise
0: oh sick so you literally saw her in a church that makes the patron saint even more fitting yes um how how was that like because you know i saw her in like a big festival setting i bet that's a whole lot different from a like i would i want to say small Two thousand people is relatively small yeah How, how how was that how was that experience for you paint a picture here
1: oh my god it was yeah so i it was just i was on my own um, so I didn't go with friends, I just was I was there and I was just every time going a bit closer to her and I was just, I don't know, just in a sort of, you know, state where I wasn't really aware of my surroundings or anything. I was just only focused on, on the show and it was it was amazing. It was so good.
0: And then, uh, out of all songs, why did you specifically pick Screwed? Well, actually, I've got an idea.
1: Ah, yeah? Well, actually, I have um, a quote from the her song uh, in my office. From this song. Oh wow! Yeah, and that is, um, uh, you fuck the world up now, we will fuck it all back down.
0: Nice. Is that is that your your political mantra when yes. you go into parliament? Yes. I w- I wanted to ask elaborate, but it's pretty obvious, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, yeah, it's really just like when I heard it, I was like, yes, you know, like the world is is being fucked up. Uh, literally, you know, especially when you're talking about like environmentalism, climate change. Um, but you know, we are here to fuck it back down, and you know, and I'm not only talking about we as Green Party or we as politicians, but we as the people, the movement. I because I I really come from the climate movement. So.
0: Right. Yeah. No. That's that. That would have been my guess as to why you picked this because it has some very climate activist undertones. Yes. Yes. So that kind of. Uh, brings us to you know you've got basically two you've basically got main topics that you occupy yourself with one being queer rights i guess and one being uh, an environmentalism and you know there is a whole different uh, Side sidestep into into digital uh technology and and whatever you, and, and all the other things you do how often do you feel like all of those things like intertwine in like one perfect storm of yes this is like the one thing that I'm fighting for
1: well I think um what I'm fighting for is uh more uh yeah future like a future oriented world um where we're looking at like, people and nature rather than the economy and businesses so um, i'm in the internal market committee Um, you know that's an interesting pick perhaps as a you know activist to be in um, the committee that has to make sure that the internal internal market of the european union functions well but um, i'm Heavily critical about the fact that everything is considered a market in the European Union. For example, healthcare. Why do we consider that a market? You know, we just need healthcare. Let's make sure that this is the thing. Um, and that's why I'm in it to criticize this.
0: Yeah, that's also like the major, uh, or at least in my circles, the major criticism towards the European Union. Like it's just one big and neoliberal collection of people who want to especially protect the European market instead of the European people how do you how do you go about that
1: um, well push against it all the time um, and try to also um, show that there there's like a third avenue so for example it's always like you know, for example, I'm working on Facebook a lot. And this week, uh, Francis Hagen, the whistleblower, was in the European Parliament. And then the only discussion is like, well, but if we don't have Facebook, do you then want the European Commission to you know, build a new Facebook because you know if poli- if politicians have to make Facebook, then it becomes boring. It's like no, but there's other ways. You know, you can have public-private partnerships. You can have NGOs. You can have civil society organizations that set up social networks. You know, and not everything has to be together. Not everything has to be surrounded by businesses or by government. You know, there are so many you know cool grassroots movements as well. Like take Wikipedia. That's not government. That's not business. That is just you know an organization that works. Um, so that's how I'm trying to uh, talk with fossils who only believe in the market.
0: Is that also where the '60s, like, kind of backfired on us? Like back in the day, people were fighting for freedom and everything, just gonna gonna go its way and laissez-faire and everything like that. And now people are actively protecting the. The uh, actively protecting the way less are not faring
1: yes but yeah but you know that, that's the interesting thing I think that when I talk with you know more more right wing colleagues I you know I, don't, I stop talking about people and I start talking about consumers sometimes gross yeah, and it's like, but that's, you know, I have to make sure they like me and they they understand what I'm talking about. So then I'm suddenly talking about consumers. Um, but um, yeah, that that is a way that they see us and how free are we if we are considered a consumer in this society rather than a human.
0: Um, did you kind of need to step out of your own shadow there? Like, I feel like there is there could have been a lot of internal struggle as to, do I really want to be part of a system that sees people as consumers rather than people.
1: Um yes, um but I've always considered because I've always been very much in the activist world but I've always considered like we can't do it without politics. Politics is the tool we have to change things. Um and we need people power to, you know, give direction to the politicians, but the politicians in the end they make the decisions. So we have to, you know, use that tool. Um and that's why um you know that's also the way I really work um and that's also why i in the end was like okay we need more people like me also you know we need more young queer women in the european parliament um, we need to change the demographics of politics so yeah that's why uh, well also when a lot of people were like you're always saying that we need more young women in the in politics why are you not running i was like uh, okay <laughs> i might have to consider um but yeah that's uh, that's how it happened
0: I feel like, especially when it comes to like queer rights and European legislation, this conversation has been very cis. Mm. How does the European Parliament even mention the existence of non-binary people sometimes?
1: Yes, we do. And it's also one of the things that we do in the European uh, Parliament as Greens is for us is one of the most important things. But it's really, really hard um, because as soon as you mention gender as a thing, then, um, you know, you shut off um, discussions, especially in the European Council. So the European Councils, where the different member states negotiate with each other. And I'm in very close contact with the people who work on queer rights and um, gender rights uh, from the Dutch government uh, in the European Council. And they're like, yes, as soon as we say gender, like they, they will just say, no, we'll veto this suggestion. So, for example, we're now working. Uh, the European Commission is now working on legislation to uh, combat gender-based violence we're saying indeed no one should you know get violence towards them based on their gender and they want to change it into sex because they say gender doesn't exist yikes so you know and and it's it's one of the hardest fights we're, we're doing and for example the istanbul convention which is also uh, about you know combating violence uh, gender-based violence it's not ratified yet because it says gender and not sex or women so um yeah it's a it's it's a really really hard fight and it's really an ideological fight that's then yeah it's but the most interesting thing is thing is that you know the the people who are so afraid of it those are the people who have never seen a queer person they have never met a non-binary person they've never met um a trans person they just have no idea and they're just like and it's easy to be afraid of something you don't know Um, And I think that is uh, something that we we really have to work on still um, to also show that, you know, they're people (laughs) have you exist.
0: Have you tried different, uh, like, words, for example? Like, okay, obviously gender is like a dog whistle to, like, scary right-wing politicians. Have you tried, like, rephrasing it? And, and, you know, you probably have. How did you try that?
1: Um, Yeah, well, like, just talking about, um, you know... Like when you're talking about ending gender based violence, you're talking about gender based violence because, you know, we see that there's a much higher percentage of violence, you know, that's based on their own people's genders. Um, And then you're just trying to But in the end, we want to, you know, combat violence in general. We don't want violence in general. So this helps everyone. You know, that's how we're then trying to to phrase it, for example, also on. digital rights you know it was like okay we want to stop you know the, um, the 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 ridiculous amount that um hate of hate that people are receiving online and then it's primarily targeted you know at people who are not the norm um so uh you know let's do something about it and just explain that that is actually better for everyone in the end so that's how we're trying to do it um but yeah then you like the problem is that you have to write down words like gender in the texts in the end, and they do control find gender, and then it's like, ah,
0: Right, and then at the end of a long discussion of uh, like, w- does gender exist? Ooh, I mean, one, and it's a social con- construct, so does it even exist? Who knows? But um, then at the end of the day, you'll put on some some Mika to, to calm yourself down, yes. or what's, what's your coping mechanism?
1: <laughs> um, that, and uh, I watch a lot of comedy, um, so uh, f- often when I come home very late, I I tend to cook. Uh, I like then cooking just to be busy with my hands. And then I don't know. I I rewatch I don't know a monologue from um, uh, Stephen Colbert or something, and just listen to what they're doing on the other side. Uh, like in the U.S., but then through a, through a funny lens. I actually started doing that um, during the, the Hillary-Donald um, Trump campaign. I was like, I can't bear hearing anything anymore about this election, but it's important to be aware. So I'll listen to it through the Daily Show and things like that. So <laughs> that's how I can cope with it. Uh,
0: bring this back to the music. Like, what uh, What artists didn't make the cut for today?
1: oh um uh, mika <laughs> adam lambert uh, rufus wainwright i also consider tori amos because i think um because i was sort of thinking queer um and then i tori amos is very important for me um as well she was also one of the singers that came up in the my education by my friends sia is uh, is uh, one of my favorite singers just because she's crazily talented and um, um who else yeah elton john was also on the short list
0: all right and then uh in the end why did you decide to opt for in this case a slumber party by ashniko and princess nokia
1: um because um i love it when you listen to a song and then suddenly you're like did i hear that correct did she really sing that um and i remember the first time i had that was i think when i heard i kissed a girl by Katy Perry. I still remember where I was. It was in the back of the car of uh, with my friends, with parents, uh, uh, driving us. Uh, just ca- coming back, I think, from our uh, exam, uh, post-exam holiday. <laughs> which is this thing in the Netherlands where you go on holidays with your friends after you finish your uh, high school exams. Um, and I still remember like, oh, did I just hear she said... I kissed a girl and I liked
2: it. Oh my
0: god! Outrageous.
1: Yeah, and then that's the, that's also what I had when I when I heard this song, um, and then also I don't know just the, the rhythm. I, it's just just a, a very fun song to rock out on, and to just be dancing in my kitchen.
0: But then you didn't you didn't mention yet the one phrase in this song where you think did she really ask that? Did mm-hmm. she really say that? What what lyric is it?
1: The lyric is um, I gave your girlfriend lingus on my couch.
0: Yes, I'm not entirely sure what kind of this is. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that word before. No, no, for real, no.
1: Oh, oh, okay. Um, it is um eating outs, eating pussy.
0: Yeah, no, that I, I'm generally my 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 English is quite okay, but that word never crossed my boundary. It's,
1: it's also, I think, it's a quite an ugly word for what it is. <laughs>
0: Well, I I, I hope people are enjoying uh, this conversation surrounding the vocabulary of the action of Giving Head. Um, Let's call it an episode here. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. My name has been Hannah. This has been Queer Sounds. If you want to support this show, you can do so through patreon.com slash Queer sounds. If you are not the long term commitment type, you can also just go to buymeacoffee.com slash sounds where you can do a one-time donation. Uh either in, in both cases, you're going to get a lovely pair of queer sound stickers. Um, if you sign up to Patreon though you'll also get access to the queer sounds community discord. Uh if none of those things sound appealing to you or you just don't have the financial like means uh, god knows i don't then um you can also just shout us out on twitter or on instagram or on tumblr that's at queer sounds pod on all of those platforms or just you know tell a friend tell a friend it's like hey hey i I listened to this fun conversation about european legislation and whatever is wrong with poland and hungary and the netherlands and everything um because that's always something people are waiting to hear right Um, Either way, I want to thank you all for listening and I wanna thank Kim for coming on to the show. The last track of the day, Slumber Party, featuring Princess Nokia Ashinko.
2: I'm not shy, I'll say it. I've been fixturing you naked, I'm all lit. So faded, you look like a fucking painting. Big doe eyes, amazing. She's everything I've been praying. My heart palpitations. She looks like the type to break it. Me and your girlfriend playing dress up in my house. Mm. I'm the Nelly in the party with some rocks for years. I'm a slave for you, baby, Miss Britney Spears. I'm a clover, she a Taurus, bring it on for cheers. And I'm sexy like Christina when I dip below. Not a H-Town girl, but I rodeo. Yippee, yippee, Kaye, welcome to the show. It's an all-girl party, clothing optional. Me and your girlfriend. Eyes go black when she orgasms Hide your back, she likes to stab them My butt cheek, she likes to grab Matching pajama, birthday suits Her spit just like juicy fruit She do that thing she usually do Spell my name with her tongue like oh. Me and your girlfriend Playing dress up at my house I gave your girlfriend Cunnilingus on my couch She cute, kawaii, hentai can that-